Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Looking to bounce back from an 0-2 start in Big 12 play, Kansas State returns to Bill Snyder Family Stadium following its lone bye week of the 2021 season as the Cats play host to Iowa State on Saturday. The game against the Cyclones kicks off at 6.30 p.m. and will be televised on ESPN2. Welcome, everyone, to the PowerCat pregame podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. Kansas State does enter this game at 3-2 and and 0-2 in the conference, while Iowa State is 3-2 overall. But the clones sit 1-1 in Big 12 play. This season of great promise for Iowa State is teetering on the brink of disaster, while Kansas State needs to find a way to break a troubling seven-game losing streak in Big 12 play, dating back to last year's five-game streak to end the season. Included in that was a very, very memorable, scarring maybe, 45 to nothing loss to the Cyclones in Ames. K-State fans visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. We've got so much in store for you in the next hour as we break down this game between the Cats and Clones, a rivalry that has grown significant over the past few years and is known as Farmageddon. Led offensively by Brees Hall, a Wichita native at running back and Brock Purdy at quarterback, Iowa State has the ability to put up very big numbers, as the Cyclones have shown in dominating victories over both UNLV and Kansas. Defensively, the Cyclones run the 3-3-5, which Kansas State now mimics itself on its defensive side of the ball, and the Cyclones are pretty darn good at it, with linebacker Mike Rose leading the charge on defense. This Iowa State team was poised, promised a top 10 Big 12 championship type of season, and it has all started to spiral out of control already for the Clones and Coach Matt Campbell. An early season loss to Iowa, which turns out to be one of the better teams of the nation, followed by a road loss to Baylor, has put this Iowa State team in a precarious position. They are 3-2 and two, as I have mentioned, but they are also heading into the teeth of their schedule. The hardest games seem to await the Cyclones, while the Cats are going through that stretch right now, with losses at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma two weeks ago, heading into the bye week last Saturday. Iowa State rounds out a trio of significant challenges to open Big 12 play for the Cats before their schedule becomes a bit more manageable, heading all the way through to the end of the season when the Cats close at Texas. This is an enormous game on so many fronts, and that is a topic we will discuss throughout today's show as we bring in Ryan. Brian Wallace from the Go Power Cat staff. Our Go Power Cat football analyst Brian Hanley will join us in the second portion of the show. Brian, of course, was an offensive lineman on the 97 and 98 Kansas State teams. A pair of seasons that almost mimics what the Cyclones had hoped for. If you recall in 97, Kansas State had a breakthrough season, went to a major bowl in the Fiesta Bowl, and had a dominating victory. Well, Iowa State had a big year last year, played for a Big 12 title, didn't win, but then went on to bowl play with a significant win. The difference, of course, is Kansas State fulfilled much of its promise for the 98 season, falling one game short, one victory short, as Kansas State fans know all too well from playing for a national title. 
On the other side, Iowa State has already seen those hopes unravel, and now you start to wonder what the Cyclones will have in their tank as they come to Manhattan. It seems that this game would be one of great urgency for the Cyclones as for the Wildcats. And as you will hear throughout this show, this indeed has become an interesting rivalry with one exception, the fact that Kansas State has mostly dominated this rivalry over the seasons. In fact, Kansas State has won 25 of the 32 meetings since Bill Snyder arrived in Manhattan in 1989. It's an impressive stat. And of course, Kansas State won 10 in a row leading up to the 2018 season when Iowa State finished K-State's season and drove, unfortunately, Bill Snyder into retirement with a win in Ames. Chris Kleiman's first game against Iowa State was in Manhattan in 2019. He won, and as I mentioned last year, was the disaster in the corn for the Wildcats as they were seriously depleted by season's end due to injuries, COVID, and other issues in the locker room. But Chris Kleiman opted to play that game instead of declaring a no contest, and boy, the Wildcats took it on the chin that day. A loss that he now hopes serves his team well. It added experience and probably a whole bunch of motivation for this game. And now let's bring in our first guest of the show, Ryan Wallace, who's been with us for a very long time at GoParacat.com, does an incredible job covering recruiting and, of course, helping with team coverage. And make sure you're subscribing to GoParacat.com so you can get all of Wally's insights on the recruiting trail and the locker room for this Kansas State team. Wally, let's just start it off here. I, I just want to get your temperature on this. I want to gauge your feelings. What do you think about Farmageddon? <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind it. I kind of like it. It's clever. You know, it, it fits both teams really well. I'm, I'm kind of like you on the, on the walk and talk. Uh, I'm growing on the idea of maybe getting a trophy for this thing. Uh, but yeah, I've grown to really like it and appreciate it because again, it's as we're going to talk about, I'm sure today it, it's two very similar teams, fan bases, universities, you name it. And there's, a budding rivalry between these programs kind of off the field. This is a big game in terms of recruiting. I know recruits don't decide on one game, but damn it, Ryan Waltz, Kansas State needs to turn this around and get back on top of Iowa State because they're getting beaten out on the recruiting trail on a fairly regular basis by the Cyclones. Yeah, and I actually um, kind of wrote an in-depth piece about that for Go Powercat on Wednesday. Um, Just Again, kind of shedding some light for those that, that aren't aware just how frequently these two are finding themselves in head-to-head battles and how often, at least in, in recent recruiting classes, specifically the 2022 cycle that we're in right now, um, how often Matt Campbell's crew has gotten the better of Chris Kleinman. You can go down and look through their 18 commitments, and I believe at least 10 of them were offered by Kansas State. And of those 10, even more were you know, high priority level recruits for Kansas State. You know, I think of, you know, Gregory Gaines that came on an official visit in June and ended up at Iowa State. I think of Carson Willich, who's a linebacker out of Blue Springs that looked like he was a lock for Kansas State in about January or February. And the tables turned very quickly the minute he took an unofficial visit up to Ames. So those are two examples. But, you know, really ever since Matt Campbell stepped foot on campus and then added um, a Kansas City legend, if you will, and Rockhurst graduate Nathan Schillhouse to his arsenal. Um, they have really gotten the better of K-State. And as you said, Fitz, uh, a monster game on the field, but also in the stands. Um, Avery Johnson, the number one player in Kansas for 2023. Dylan Edwards, another top five. Joe Otting, another, I would say, top five, certainly top ten player in Kansas all three of those guys, as well as a number of others expected to be in attendance on Saturday, this is the type of game you've got to show up. you got to show out and impress those kids. You really do. This is so important on so many levels for Kansas State. And all you need to do is look at their depth chart to see a rather significant name that really never considered Kansas State. It predated Chris Kleiman. And, of course, I'm talking about Brees Hall, the running back out of Wichita. And I think finding a way to slow him down. You never quite take away Brees Hall. He's, he's that good. He's more of an NFL running back than than a lot of guys we see in college football. 
He finds a way to get into the end zone. He finds a way to consistently pick up yardage. But mostly he sets the table then for the rest of the offense so Brock Purdy can sit back there and throw the ball with a higher level of comfort. And, you know, to guys like Charlie Kolar, who we expect to be more involved as a tight end than he has been so far this season. But, boy, Brees Hall just haunts Kansas State. Yeah, the Wichita Northwest yeah. product. Um, you know, I mean, he's been the de- definition of consistency over his career at Ames. And, you know, this year for some of the offensive struggles that Iowa State has had, I don't think when you go back and watch tape and crunch the numbers, I don't think a lot of it has to do necessarily with Brees Hall. He's he's held his end of the bargain. Um, as you said, Fitz, you know, he's not a breakaway runner. He's not a guy that's going to explode for 80, 90-yard runs, but he's a guy that is going to wear you down and take a toll, whether between the tackles or hitting you on the outside and, and making you, you know, forcing K-State defenders to tackle well in space. Um, you know, he's a guy that, again, as you mentioned, sets kind of the tempo um, for this, this Iowa state offense. And, you know, honestly, I think when you get Brees Hall going, it kind of motivates the defense the same way that it does when Deuce Vaughn gets rolling for K state. Everything seems to revolve around, you know, Brees Hall for as much as we want to talk about Brock Purdy, for as much as we want to talk about, you know, Mike Rose and this defense, he, he really is kind of the, the lifeline, if you will, of, of Iowa State. And the more he gets going, the more success he has, the more you see this team really become more energized and successful. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to say about Brock Purdy. He, he can be so good, and he was really good last year in that romp Iowa State had, 45 nothing over K-State. But when he's bad, he's He's bad, man. He throws some really questionable passes, makes some bad decisions. Uh, There's really no in-between with him. How can Kansas State get the bad version of Brock Purdy? How can they force that to happen? Well, you know, it's it's interesting you bring up his turnovers because if you go back and look, I mean, Iowa State – there's been some debate on the message boards about just how good of a team K state is to be at three and two, given the strength of the schedule. I think if you throw the strength of schedule out and you're just looking at overall, what a team is, I think Iowa state might be the best three and two team in the country. Cause if, if you go back their their losses right now are against Iowa, who correct me if I'm wrong is now a number two team in the nation um, and Baylor who has kind of been the surprise of the big 12, you know, win loss record, regardless of the win loss record. I think they've been very impressive, particularly on defense, but you go in the back in those two losses for Iowa state, two interceptions and a fumble that amounted to 17 points Mm. for the Hawkeyes uh, in that one. And then you look at the Baylor game, he threw an interception and uh, also had a sack that ended a series and in the fourth quarter that where it looked like Iowa state was climbing back into the game. So, you know, Brock Purdy has been front and center of really both of Iowa state's losses. And I think the way to answer your question fits that you can frustrate him is uh, just consistently come with pressure because Iowa state's line is so, so good that I think if K state just continues to run out, a three, four man pass rush. I'm not sure you're going to be able to get to him. If you continue to throw different variations at him, different looks um, and and bring heat as much as you can, uh, Iowa state's receiving core hasn't been able to produce as many explosive plays um, as we saw from them last year. You know, you look at the percentage uh, of attempts that have gone 20 plus yards and actually, Iowa State has thrown that less percentage than K-State, only 11.4 on the season. And then their depth of, of his wide receiving targets ties K-State in 8.5 yards. So they're not stretching the field vertically. And what I mean by that is I think K-State can afford to take some gambles with some pressure out of the defensive backfield and, you know, really go not necessarily man-to-man, but not. Um, you know, expand a lot of deep coverage and get worried like they did against Oklahoma of getting beat over the top because Iowa State hasn't shown that to this season. So, again, a lot of variations, throw a lot of different looks and bring a lot of pressure from, you know, the, the back half of this defense to make Brock Purdy aware of 
all different levels of the defense. Iowa State went to the three-three-five defense about four years ago. K-State's done it this year. Iowa State's much better in this defense than Kansas State. Maybe they have better personnel. I don't know. Or maybe they're just more comfortable and know how to adapt in it. K-State has struggled two weeks in a row now with stopping opposing offenses as they've run into pretty good teams with pretty decent running backs. But on the other side of the ball, Kansas State has struggled against the three-man fronts in the past. Does this help K-State now that they're seeing it regularly in practice? Because I think that really was a major issue, and now they're getting more acclimated to how to block and address those three-man fronts, particularly this particular scheme. Yeah, I would think so. And I think, you know, that's even more amplified coming out of a bye week, whereas we talked about Chris Kleiman and, and the way that they self-scouted this week, um, really looking inwardly at themselves. I, I think that that bodes well for Kansas State going against the experienced pass rush of Iowa State. You mentioned the personnel. Uh, these guys are built to run a three-three-five because, you know, that is what they have recruited for that is what they have been taught to run from day one in Ames. And so they've compiled a, a group of guys that fit the scheme and know the scheme really well. And that's why they're the number one defense right now in the big 12. And, you know, they're a top 30 and third down defi- uh, uh, defense, uh, defensive efficiency. And, you know, they're not going to make a lot of penalties. And one of the best first down defenses that you're going to see as well number two in the country. So I think Kansas state has their work cut out from them just from the standpoint that this is one of the most experienced groups uh, that they're going to see in the big 12. But I also think that Iowa state has shown, um, you know, some slight instability in their defensive secondary. And so getting Skylar Thompson back, who's able to make all those pre-snap reads, you know, might bode well for Kansas state to be able to maybe air it out a little bit, more effectively and a little bit more than we've seen this season. Um, Again, as long as the offensive line holds up, but uh, as you mentioned, I think that, that what we've seen to date um, already this season and and over the bye week um, fits very well going into this matchup for K-State's offense. Both teams are three and two. Both teams never imagined being three and three at the mid season mark. After this game, Kansas state does go into a grouping of games that seem a little bit more manageable. They go to Tech, they've got go road trip to Lawrence still in there, TCU, on and on. Meanwhile, <laughs> Iowa State turns around next week and plays host to Oklahoma State. Then they go to West Virginia, and then they have Texas. This is an enormous game for them. If they end up 3-3 three and three heading into that, this season could shatter on them in a way that, frankly, nobody ever imagined. They could just come apart at the seams. They, they could, um, but I wonder how much that's actually in the mind of Matt Campbell only because he has such a veteran-laden group. I, I don't think that if, if Saturday night becomes a dogfight, and I expect it will be just because these two teams um, are so complementary of each other and because of what happened in Ames a year ago, I think K-State's very, very hungry for this one. I'll get back to that in a second, but I don't see – Iowa State coming apart at the seams. You know, I think that they could have come apart at the seams after the Iowa game. You know, that's a game that they, an rivalry game, they put a lot of emphasis on. Um, and they really had to claw their way back <laughs> uh, to even get back into that game. And then they lose it. Then they play a UNLV team that, you know, for all intents and purposes is, you know, equally garbage to Kansas. <laughs> and they come back and, and kind of tried to sleepwalk their way through Baylor. I think they thought maybe they were better than they were um, and got beat. So I think they've already faced enough adversity fits where I just don't know if they're going to let things snowball. Um, If they haven't let it snowball yet, I just don't know if they will uh, win or lose to K-State because I, you know, they got in the big 12 championship game last year with two losses. Um, Who's to say that they can't scratch and claw their way back with three, who knows? But as for K-State fits, I wanted to get back to what you were talking about with them just for a second and how big this game is for K-State. One fear of mine uh, and and granted K-State has some great, you know, senior leaders themselves, Noah Johnson, Skylar Thompson, Jerron McPherson, but in the same manner that Iowa State puts so much emphasis on Iowa, I wonder if there's been 
an enormity of emphasis put around this Iowa state game for K state. You know, I, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like this is one that the staff really wants. This is the one that the, the players really want, you know, they, for, to be frank and quite honest with you, Fitz, K-State wants to be Iowa State right now. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why this has become, you know, such a passionate rivalry, particularly with K-State fans, is because they see what Iowa State has done and what they continue to do. And they're kind of mirror images of K-State. It's why can't we do that? And now you have Chris Kleiman that's kind of taking that 3-3-5 defense, that's taking the double tight ends and, and everything that, you know, Brock Purdy and that system is doing on offense. They want to be Iowa state and to be Iowa state, you got to beat Iowa state. And so there is, I don't want to say a concern. It's not a concern until K state loses the game if they do, but if they do, how much of a toll does that one loss take on the Wildcats? Yeah. Very interesting point. This game is big for Kansas state in, in different ways. I mean, they can still come back from three and three won't be good. Sure. It might set the sure. table in a really bad way for them, but just simple fact that they have, Tech, KU coming up, TCU in the in the middle of that. There's a pathway to succeed. Um, but uh, they do recognize that Iowa State, for lack of a better term, is stealing their mojo. This, What Matt Campbell's doing is what Bill Snyder did to a lesser degree. He hasn't gotten the program even close to any level that Bill Snyder did at his peak. But there's so many similarities as we started this segment off with that, that run between these two programs. There are common threads and you're right i feel like k-state knows they've got to get back on top of iowa state if they want to get back on top of the cyclones everywhere else including the recruiting trail and i think it's a huge task i think iowa state's pretty good but bringing it back around for all of those weapons they have on offense my favorite iowa state player is mike rose Uh, this dude just he says 250 pound sam linebacker he's crazy he just is everywhere um and he, can't, he opted to come back to be part of this team, specifically for all they had at stake. But, boy, he is disruptive and can is the type of guy that can chase down Skylar Thompson. What are your thoughts on Rose in this defense? Oh, I love Mike Rose. You know, he, he's a guy, like you said, that you, you see him on film, and, and I, I haven't seen him in person, but I would imagine you see him in person. You go, how can he cover, you know, all of these different areas that he does as big as he is, he feels like an old school, big 10 linebacker mm-hmm. that, you know, just stays between the tackles. And yet he does so much. Um, he's a guy that I think K state will, you know, either try and, and exploit and in, in matchups that, you know, don't really suit him, which, you know, again, it's kind of tough to find or they're just going to try and scheme him out of place. Um, Last year, I think not having Skylar Thompson in this game made a difference uh, among a myriad of other reasons, because I know, as you've mentioned before, and as most fans recognize and know, K-State could have very well canceled or opted out of the game in Ames last year because uh, of just the toll that COVID had taken on the roster at that point. Uh, But they didn't. And it ended up backfiring, obviously, you know, experience is one thing, but uh, the way that the game went down, it, it backfired. But I get back to the point that, you know, not having Skyler Thompson, you weren't able to maybe spread the field like you want to. You weren't able to get Deuce Vaughn, you know, as acclimated into the passing game as K-State wants. And therefore, Mike Rose was able to just kind of hang where he's used to hanging in the middle of the field. And, you know, are they running here? I'm going to just go and attack the run. And if not, these other guys can handle everything else. And so I think that, you know, the more that K-State and Skyler Thompson can make some adjustments on the fly uh, and, and, again, try and get this offense going the way it was against Oklahoma, the way it was against Stanford, I think that will try to get some of this experience that Iowa State has on defense uncomfortable. Here's a couple things straight from the Iowa State notes that catch your attention. Brees Hall owns an active streak of tallying a rushing TD in 17 consecutive games. That's a Big 12 record. That's incredible. This one, though, is stunning. In its last 10 games dating back to 2020, Iowa State has given up just 35 points and two touchdowns in the second half 
And, of course, they put the note here, excluding non-offensive TDs, because they're talking about their defense, has given up 35 second-half points in 10 games. That's incredible. That that tells me K-State better not have a slow start, and they better go find some non-offensive touchdowns if they want to win this game. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, not only can K-State not afford to have a slow start, but K-State also can't afford to have a hot start and then let their foot off the gas. Right. Iowa State has done it already this season. You know, and the stats that you just mentioned, you know, further validate that. But they got down against Iowa, clawed their way back. Um, They got down against Baylor, clawed their way back. And again, as I mentioned earlier, if it weren't for some turnovers, the momentum was on Iowa State's side to make comebacks in both of those games. Uh, But unfortunately, you know, they just, the turnovers have been very costly. They haven't created a lot of havoc. They're very good at keeping you from scoring, but they haven't created a lot of turnovers that we saw from this group last year. And they haven't had a lot of explosive plays. I'm thinking not only just vertically in the offensive passing game, but also in in things like kick return, their field position, uh, starting field position has been terrible. And so they've really limited themselves. And that's what I said earlier. There's, they're a, they're such a better team than I think people realize they have almost lost games, you know, shooting themselves in the foot more than they've faced a team that has just straight up beaten them. And so to get back to the, to the message that you just uh, described, you know, it's a, going to be a raucous environment, but that environment with, with K-State's home crowd has to be from start to finish, regardless of whether K-State is up or down, because Iowa State, uh, they're going to play until the very, very last whistle. Yep, indeed. So far, Iowa State, as I mentioned, 3-2, and 1-1 one and one in the conference. They beat Northern Iowa 16-10, to 10, lost to Iowa 27-17, beat UNLV 48-3, to 3, Lost at Baylor 31-29 and then beat Kansas 59-7. to Does Kansas State win this game, Ryan Wallace? Ah, that's, you know, Ryan Gilbert was asking me for our picks of the week. Um, and obviously those deal with the spread. And I believe the spread was uh, minus six and a half. And I think history falls on the side of K-State on top of the fact that they're going to be at home on top of the fact that it's a night game, on top of the fact that K-State is coming off just a massive blowout loss to Iowa State last year, that I think K-State can cover. But when it comes to picking a winner, that's where I told Gills, I said, ah, don't ask me that yet. I'm not sure. And, you know, as we record this, I'm still, you know, very uneasy. It's, It's the least amount of confidence I've had in picking a straight up winner all season. I think right now I'm siding with the Cyclones and their experience. I'm thinking somewhere like 27-24, Iowa State pulls this one out. Um, but I think it's going to be very, very close, very competitive. I would be stunned to see either side win by you know more than a touchdown. So I think Vegas is right on. Again, I have a feeling K-State will cover. Just don't know if they have I don't want to say the firepower, but just the experience that Iowa State has to go against that Cyclones defense and, you know, find enough to outscore Iowa State. It's going to have to be, you know, in special teams. It's going to have to be in some other ways to manufacture points because scoring on this defense is going to be a very, very big test. Well, um, it's going to be interesting at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Farmageddon is typically... Very entertaining. Last year was an outlier with the blowout for the Cyclones. Usually this is a one-score game. Usually there's late-game dramatics. And I hope we get to see that again because I love me some Farmageddon. Thank you, Ryan Wallace. appreciate it very much. Thank you, Fitz. And that was Ryan Wallace, our GoPowerCat.com recruiting analyst, and he helps out with team coverage because he does a great job of scouting opponents on the K-State schedule. Well, that is the first portion of the PowerCat pregame show brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. Right after this, we bring in the former Wildcat himself, Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley, our football analyst, awaits on the other side of the PowerCat pregame podcast. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. One portion of our pregame show is in the back pocket, and now we're moving on to talk to Mr. Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman in those 97 and 98 K-State teams, and now our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com. But as I mentioned, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company because at Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we do bring in our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley. Brian, it was good for Kansas State, and Iowa State had one too, to have an off week. Um, they probably would have preferred maybe it a week later. I mean, you kind of want it at the halfway mark. They got it five games in. But what does an off week mean for a player as K-State heads into this seven-game stretch, straight seven weeks of football before the end of the regular season? What's it mean for a player? You know, it's it's kind of a, a restart. You know, you get you have practice. Don't get me wrong. There's practice. But it's just kind of a restart. You're You're working on a lot of fundamentals. Um, and that's key because you don't get a lot of fundamental work during the work week, you know, because you're pre- preparing for, you know, your next opponent and things like that. So you don't get a lot of fundamental work when during an off week you do, but you also get a chance for your body to just rest. I mean, football is such a collision sport. Every snap, it's just every now and then it's it, clearly it's good for your body just to, to have a recharge. And it's also good for the mind because it's like, okay, we're technically basically halfway through. I know it's not quite halfway. We're pretty much halfway through. And now it's, hey, it's make or break. We're It's all conference games, um, seasons on the line, and we, you can recharge and then just get mentally really, really focused. You know, bye weeks are great. You know, they're terrible when they come super early, unless you have two, which, you know, in years past, there's been two, but they're great when they, I mean, this time of year, it couldn't be better. Yeah, it's it's been good for me. That's what's important here. Uh, and I think, you know, the fans just have that off week to kind of get refocused. Oh, yeah. And luckily, you come out of the off week with a home game and a very important game with Iowa State coming to town. This has really turned into a fun rivalry, hasn't it? It has, you know, it, it, and it didn't used to be that way. I mean, Kansas State we used to just just beat up on them forever, but Iowa State's it's a little bit of both. Iowa State's really progressed, and, and you know, we've kind of taken a little step back down to them, but it's a really fun rivalry, really, um, you know, it, competitive games for the most part, really competitive games. Iowa State uh, is three and two, uh, and they've been just wildly inconsistent. But also, the level of competition that they faced has also been inconsistent. Uh, they opened with Northern Iowa, kind of struggled. They always seem to struggle with the Panthers. It's kind of weird. Um, they lost Iowa, who's you know one of the better teams in the country as of now. They've lost to Baylor in, on the road, and Baylor seems to be a surprise team in the Big 12 and good for them down there in Waco. And they absolutely trounced horrific teams from UNLV and Kansas, which honestly, I didn't know Kansas was still playing football. Apparently they are. uh, And (laughs) Iowa State beat them pretty badly. And what I loved about that game is the spread was 33 points and it seemed so huge. And Iowa State almost covered it in the first quarter. Um, (laughs) I can't get my finger on the pulse of this Iowa State team. They thought this was going to be a top 10, maybe Big 12 championship, maybe a playoff year. And here they are on the outside of most of that. They still are in the running in the Big 12 because one of those losses is not conference. But they haven't been clicking at the level uh, that they should be. And I don't have an answer for what's gone wrong with the Cyclones. Do you? 
You know, I, 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 I don't know if I have the exact answer, but part of it, I know everybody loves their coach, but part of it comes down to not having your team prepared at the beginning of the season. I mean, it just does. And that falls on coaching. It's like, look, yeah, we're playing Northern Iowa. You got to be ready. That's a game that you need to go out and smash them. They didn't. Yeah. And then you come back the next week, you know that I was good. It's a huge rivalry. It's your rivalry game. And then to just get thumped like they did, it's just like, I mean, and maybe they just, they're reading their own press clippings and thought they were better than what they were. But again, that comes down to coaching. I know I've said it before. I'm not a huge Matt Campbell fan. I'm just not. I'm just not that guy. I know he gets all this pub for bringing Iowa State up. I go, but if you really dig deep, what has Iowa State? They went to one Big 12 title game. They haven't really done a lot, but it's and they're better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're not better, but it's just, you know, I think he gets more credit than what he actually deserves. And I think that's part of what their problem is, is that they just, it seems to be that they're not ready at the beginning of the season and they get better as the season goes on. And that's great. But games count at the beginning of the season, too. You know, it's inter- interesting to me that this game looms large for a reason that I don't think people have thought about. 2018, Kansas State went to Ames and had won 10 straight in the series and very good games. It, it, 10 straight sounds like pure domination. K State won some of the craziest, most entertaining football games that I can remember against Iowa State during that stretch. And. Uh, Coach Campbell, I'll call him Dave Campbell, uh, Matt Campbell helped end that streak. And they won it in Ames, and Bill Snyder stepped down. I almost feel like if K-State can get Iowa State to 3-3 three and three and totally take the air out of this season because they still have some hope, that other jobs might become more tangible and interesting to Matt Campbell. He's been really loyal to Iowa State. I admire him for that. He's had some great offers. But there's going to be some jobs out there, including Southern Cal, that are looming. The Raiders are already has an opening that I just find really fascinating that I can see Matt Campbell being a candidate for. But maybe you're not alone in not being a big fan and he doesn't get those jobs, but it could lead to him leaving. And I think I want your thoughts on this. I think that'd be best for K-State if he got the hell out of Ames because he is doing a pretty good job. He's definitely doing a good job. I mean, because they're better than what they were. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan, but they are so, they're light years better than what they were before he got there. They just are. And I just think, I, I don't know, some of those other jobs that come open, I don't know that it'll be maybe that ho- high profile as far as a Raiders or a USC job, but I could see some other jobs opening up that he may take. For instance, like if, James Franklin were to go to USC, maybe he goes to Penn State, you know, or something of that nature. I don't know. I mean, the Raiders and USC, those are top of the barrel jobs, you know, whether people like the Raiders or not, it's an NFL job. And it's just, I don't know. And maybe, I don't know. I, I just, I just have a hard time believing guys would put him in that position. Um, but like I said, if somebody goes and takes those two jobs from the college ranks or somewhere, maybe he goes and takes a job there, but you're right. We, I mean, it would definitely be good for Kansas state to get him out of there because he's, he's done a great job for Iowa state. And again, it's not that we want a program to be bad, but, we want their program to be bad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And because they're very comparable, and we do find uh, in covering recruiting at Go Power Cat, K State and Iowa State overlap a whole hell of a lot in recruiting. Right. And particularly in the Kansas City area, where they've done a really good job of recruiting and getting those coaches out of there might be very helpful. Let's let's talk about some of these players on Iowa State, though, because they have some players I absolutely love. I love Brees Hall. I think he's a fantastic mm-hmm. running back. It's a damn shame that he left the state of Kansas, perfect example right there, and went to Ames from Wichita. But I I think he's an NFL-style running back more than, say, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, But I think he's the key for Kansas State. Kansas State has let opposing running games do enough damage the last two Big 12 games that it has popped the passing game wide open, and then everything just kind of fell apart for this defense. Stopping Brees Hall, for me, is job one 
And I say that recognizing that if Brock Purdy gets going, K-State's screwed because he's really good when he's really good and he's bad when he's he's not good. Um, but a key to that is Brees Hall opening up the passing game. Can Kansas State slow him down? They didn't last year, and they have struggled against the run as of late. They're going to have to do something different than what they've done the last two games. It's kind of what you mentioned. You know, as far as Brock Purdy is concerned, he can be really good and really bad, but I feel like he's always really good when they can also run the ball. So if they can't run the ball, I don't know how great he actually is or can be. The problem with K-State the last two games, we've taken away nothing. So if you're not going to take away anything, that's a problem. You got to take away something, you know, take away the run or the pass, whatever it is. But in this game coming up, it's dropped. I mean, number one, you have to stop the run. If we can stop Reese Hall, I really, really like our chances. But we're going to have to do something different than what we've done the last two games. So hopefully that's something the coaches have been working on. Absolutely. They they seem to be entirely focused on not giving up big plays. And I appreciate that. Big plays can beat you pretty quickly, but also they've just been giving up a lot of prolonged drives that just kind of cut their hearts out. I feel like the defense has to go back on attack. And if that means you give up a big play here and there, so be it. You have to get more aggressive because there's a mindset that this defense was playing with early in the year that seems to be gone. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, Tim, is that football these days, things change, you know, and usually the offense changes, the defense catches up. Offense changes, the defense catches up. We're kind of in that phase of where the defense has to catch up to the offense now, and you see it a lot all over the country, even in pro football, it's bringing pressure and making the quarterback get the ball out of his hand quickly and make a quick decision. Because if you let him sit back there and throw, you can have eight guys covering. Eventually, a guy's going to get open. And that's what we've been doing. You can't do that against good competition. You just can't do that. You've got to make them get the ball out of their hands extremely fast. Bring pressure. Make them make a decision. This is college football, you know. And they're college kids. They're not always going to make the right decisions. So make them do that. Bring pressure from different places, different angles. we got to do something. It's just what you said. Yeah, you might give up a big play a time or two. And that happens. That's going to happen no matter what you do. You're going to give up a big play. Force them to make the play, though. You know, it's tough to complete a 50-yard pass down the field. You know, it's tough to do those things. Make them do it. I agree. And Brock Purdy's capable of it, but he's also capable of being pretty bad. I'll just say it. He was great against K-State last year. Let's say it again, 45 to nothing in Ames. He was marvelous. Brees Hall was really good. Their defense was really good. So if Brock Purdy settles in, you're in big trouble. What? Just give me your overall thoughts on Brock Purdy as a quarterback. Is he an NFL guy? I, I think he's an NFL backup. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to go and and, and start for you 16 games. He can give you a spot start here or there, but he's not going to be a guy. He's definitely a guy that can be in the league. You know, there's plenty of quarterbacks that can be, I mean, because there's a shortage on good quarterbacks, number one, but he can absolutely be a a backup quarterback for a lot of years. Not going to be a star, not going to be your every down starter. That kind of stuff's not going to happen, but he he can play a little bit. Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I I like Brock Purdy, but when he's bad, boy, is he bad. He just, he really struggles quite a bit. On the other side of the ball is another one of my favorite players in the Big 12, and he had an opportunity to go to the league and decided to come back for this season because of the promise that was on the table for Iowa State that hasn't worked out. Mike Rose, he is a 250-pound Sam linebacker. It's just crazy yeah. to me in this day and age that a guy at 250 is playing strong side linebacker so well, so uh, disruptive. He's just a playmaker over there. Lovely hair, too, may I add. And um, <laughs> uh, I love the guy. I think he's a great player, um, and he's someone that K-State's offense is going to have to be very, very aware of throughout this game. Yeah, absolutely. You, don't, I mean, I don't know that you've ever seen – a linebacker that's, uh, you know, playing Sam linebacker like that. I, I mean, that's big for a Sam linebacker. I mean, he plays it extremely well. Um, we're going to have to focus because he makes plays all over the football field. Their defense is a little underrated, I think. I, agree. I think uh, the offense gets a lot of credit 
for, you know, how Iowa State wins or loses or whatever, but I think their defense is very underrated. It's something that we're going to have to – we're going to have to be able to run the football against, which is going to be tough, but we're going to have to be able to do that. I love this series. I, I'm glad it's become uh, has a little tension in it. I think I did a daily delivery at Go Powercat about this. That 45 to nothing kind of cranked up the heat a little bit, and it needed it. I didn't like yeah. the outcome of that game, but it it added a little flavor to it after Kansas State has kind of dominated. So I'm excited to watch this game. Do you think there's a pathway for Kansas State to win this game without being excellent? You know what I mean? Without clicking on yep. all cylinders, uh, can Kansas State win this game? Sure. Special teams. Yep. Special teams, offense and defense. We can play. We don't have to play lights out. You know, we can't play awful on any side of the ball, but special teams come into play. And K-State's been doing well, playing well in special teams as of late. You know, so if we get a punt block, a punt return, kick return, whatever the case may be, we can add, there is a pathway to win without, like I said, having to play just absolutely lights out on both sides of the ball. Special teams. Yep. We'll see if K-State can get it done. Do you think the Wildcats come out of this at 4-2 and two or 3-3? Three and three? I think they actually can come out at 4-2 and two because I believe the coaches are going to – I think this is one of those pinpoint games, Tim, where the coaches have looked forward to this game. It's one of those games that you practice in spring ball. You put in you, – you know, you prep for them in spring ball. During two-a-days, you prep for them then. This is one of those games that I think the coaching staff had circled on the calendar, and they've got special plays on offense, special plays on defense. This is just one of those games, kind of what you mentioned about the rivalry. I just believe this is one of those games that the coaches have circled that says, okay, we got to win this game. This is where it is. It's after our bye week. We got to win this game. And I think they do because the coaching staff has put together a game plan that's going to allow us to win. Yeah, you described a rivalry right there. It's an important game for both programs. We're going to see what happens Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. That is Brian Hanley, our football analyst at Go Power Cat. And on the other side of this break, we continue our discussion of this football game by bringing in Kansas State Offensive Center Noah Johnson for our weekly interview. And of course, Ryan Gilbert is on the other side of this break to talk about the spread around the Big 12. What games you should and shouldn't bet on. Don't take a word from me, man. Listen to Ryan Gilbert. We'll be right back on the PowerCat pregame show sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast. I am Go Power Cat Publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. In a second, we will catch up with Noah Johnson, the senior center for these Kansas State Wildcats, and gauge his thoughts as the Cats head into this very important game with Iowa State. And on the other side of the interview segment will be our own Ryan Gilbert to talk about the odds and spreads throughout the Big 12 on this busy weekend in Big 12 football. We've got five games on tap, although only nine teams are playing because Baylor steps out of conference to play. BYU won't be out of conference for long. We'll catch up with Gills at the end of the show to see what he thinks about all the spreads. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Well, it's time for our interview segment. And today we're going to talk with Kansas State Center Noah Johnson and we start off with a very simple question about Kansas State's progress and what this team needs to do over the course of the rest of the season. We just got to keep improving. And, um, you know, I think sometimes in college football, you're so judged off uh, the the performance and wins and losses. But 
uh, you just have to trust your process and and I think or I know that's what our team is doing and continuing to trust our process and trust our program and um, just keep putting in the work every day and keep preparing and you know every day every game is a learning opportunity and um, I think that's what that's what coach is kind of referring to when he says our best days are ahead of us is is we're getting better each week um, you know the scoreboard might not show it every time but um, I believe and I know that everyone on this team is is learning from wins or from losses or from whatever period it is in practice you know we're all trying to improve every day and and uh, I think that's that's going to carry on to the rest of the season is is never never shaking never wavering in our belief and uh what our goals as a team are and and uh being in it for the long haul you know whatever happens staying together and uh keep just continuing to believe and continuing to improve and of course kansas state did lose to iowa state 45 to nothing last year in Ames. really the only blowout of significance in a long time in this series does this team think about it very often here's noah johnson it's hard not to the way they put it on us last year, but um, you can't live in the past. And this is a big game for us this week. Um, they're a great team. It's a it's an awesome rivalry, but it's just it's the next game. And the more pressure you put on yourself to do this or do that because of who you're playing, you're taken away from us and our team. And that's what the focus needs to be on is is the group of guys at our locker room and just taking it one day at a time. That's really what we've been stressing since last Saturday is don't look too far ahead. We got to win every day last week. We got to take it one day at a time. And now we had a great uh, first day of practice yesterday. We got to win today, win tomorrow, win Thursday, win Friday. And then, you know, you set yourself up for whatever happens on Saturday. And with Iowa State coming in, that's that's kind of the the attitude you have to have to be successful because they're they're going to bring their best. They're a really really good team, a, a ton of experience, and like you said, they they beat us pretty bad last year. But um, we're a different team this year, and we're not living off past success. We're not living off past failure. We're we're living in the present and just trying to take it one day at a time. And finally, we wind this up with another question that I think is really important. Is this really a rivalry? Is Farmageddon a real thing between the Cats and Clones? For me, when I was growing up, I never even knew really that Kansas State and Iowa State was as big of a rivalry as it is. But um, since I've joined the program, it's I think the cool thing about it is, is we have two very similar programs um, that seem to be built kind of on the same values and the same cultures of under-recruited, maybe undervalued guys who come in and put in the work and it shows on Saturday. Um, and then you got two programs in the Midwest, same type of ethos, same type of kind of those communities. And, and it's really cool. You know, uh, I don't know how many other rivalries are based around farming, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's what makes K-State great. And uh, I'm not a part of, you know, Iowa State, but that's probably what makes them great too. Is it's just it's a unique thing, and you know, 6:30 p.m. night game between two really good teams who both need a win at this point in time. It's man, what could what more could you ask for? And uh, it's what I'm just incredibly excited about, and I know this whole team is. That was Kansas State center Noah Johnson talking about Saturday night's game with the Cyclones and the similarities between the two programs. And now we bring in. Ryan Gilbert, someone who's very similar to me in age and good looks. <clears throat> to talk about the betting angles of this week's action around the Big 12. Hi, Gills. How you doing, man? Good. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm fine. I'm hanging in there. You sure about that? No, no, I'm not. Never am. But uh, we're going to knock this sucker out. A full slate of games. Well, not a full slate. There's one non-conference game. I want to start with that game because it feels like a conference game, but it's not a conference game. Someday. It's intriguing to me that this game's on the schedule. BYU at Baylor, a future Big 12 game. BYU opened as a one-point favorite in Waco, and it's flipped to six and a half points for the Bears. I'm intrigued mm -hmm. because this will be a good cross-reference game. I know you can't read everything into one game, but I'm intrigued by BYU. They got off to the fast start. They had uh, a mistake filled game against Boise State and lost last week. Their first loss of the season. The Bears are looking good. 
But do the Bears win by a touchdown or more in Waco against the Cougars? Well, you mentioned the fact that they lost that game against Boise State and they had some costly mistakes yeah. that, that really costed them. And if you consider BYU a good team, I like good teams that come off of losses to come back the yes. next week even stronger. So I like, let alone the fact that the, you know Vegas is giving us basically an entire touchdown with how the public's bet on this game, how it's flipped you know, seven and a half points. I like everything about BYU here. You know, This is a future conference game, like you just said. Uh, and not that this game doesn't matter for Baylor, but Baylor could lose this game, and that has zero implications on anything Big 12-related You know, as far as getting to the championship game or something like that. So I think this game means a lot more for BYU. I really do. I think they're going to come out and have a good chance to win this game and certainly cover six-and-a-half-point spread. I will be fascinated to see how these two teams match up so we get a bit of reference on where we're at here with these teams that are coming in because I think they made some great additions to the conference. The big game of the week is Oklahoma State visiting Texas. Texas is currently a five-and-a-half-point favorite in Austin against the, I'm going to say it, upstart Cowboys. Hmm. I don't really fully understand that word, but I think an upstart is a team that wasn't expected to be good and now is trending up. Are they good, though? That's the question. Is Oklahoma State good? I feel like they are, but I also feel like they're just good enough to get by because that's basically what they've been doing. But they have had back-to-back home games to start the Big 12. Must be nice against Kansas State and Baylor, two games that you need to win on your home field, and they did it. Can they win in Austin? I'll say no. I mean, their only road game was at Boise State, and that's a game they should have lost when you when you look yep. at what happened. They didn't score any points in the second half. And I don't want to say Oklahoma State's been lucky. But like you said, they're due to just kind of have things fall apart on them, so to speak. I think Texas wins. They cover. Texas has got to be angry after you know oh, letting man. last weekend slip away from them. But, you know, this game could go either way. This is probably like the least confident game this week for this weekend slate. But I'm going to go with Texas just because they're going to be coming out firing after that loss. I think Texas wins big. I, I think you're right. I think they've got something to say right now. And I can't figure out Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. They They're unbeaten, but... How? I mean, they just kind of squeak by and squeak by, which can be a sign of a good team. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Kansas State's had seasons when they just squeaked by. It's because they knew how to win close games, which is a trait of good football. Well, Full Howard or Jaron Lewis just makes one or two plays. K-State would have actually had a real chance to beat the Cowboys down in Stillwater. Well, I mean. Despite how terrible they played. You take away the fumble. You just take away the fumble. That doesn't happen. The whole game is completely different. Uh, Another game featuring two really good teams. Uh, Tech goes to KU. Um, Tech, uh, again, I don't understand Tech. How do you win at West Virginia and then turn around and lose and get blown out at home by TCU? Tech is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite in Lawrence. Now, let's put this in context. Tech is probably the ninth-best team in this conference as we sit here today. That's how big a gap there is between 9 and 10 in the Big 12 that a 17-point favorite on the road. Does Tech cover that? I'll say so. You think so? And you mentioned the fact that Texas Tech, you know, had a really bad performance last weekend. And the weekend before that, they beat West Virginia. You're right. I think that's not really a matter of Tech being inconsistent. I think that's more of number four through number nine in the Big 12. However you want to rank those teams, there's not a lot of – you know, difference in talent and skill sets on those teams. So until Kansas, back to the KU game, though, I think until we see Kansas cover a spread, don't bet don't bet your hard-earned money on this. They haven't box. covered this year, have they? They're over, yep. Oh, and they've, wow. they've came close. They've given you reasons to believe. But until we see it, you know, I'm not too high on Texas Tech at all, but certainly going to have, uh, you know, have to pick them over Kansas. Kansas has played Tech close. This will be uh, as interesting a game as maybe KU plays this year. Mm-hmm. If they get absolutely smoked in this game, They've actually gotten worse, and I don't know how because I think they have found a quarterback, but you got to find a lot more than that apparently. TCU goes to Oklahoma. TCU coming off a big win. OU kind of had a big win. I don't know if you noticed that. Huh? Uh, OU is favored by two touchdowns, 13 and a half. I'll, I will take OU all day on this, even though the Sooners haven't been winning by big margins this year. They've been a team that's won a bunch of single-digit games. Do they get this two-touchdown or more with a new quarterback. So we're recording this on Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday is today. You saw what happened with Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley canceling the media availability. Crazy. That's a distraction. And let's take the Chiefs, for example. Andy Reid went to the hospital a few weeks ago. 
I don't really know what for, but you know they lost that game against the Chargers. That team hasn't been the same. Yep. Chiefs are playing bad this year. Go back to the Super Bowl last year. Chiefs played awful when Britt Reid had that you know little car accident incident. Look at the Jaguars. They're obviously terrible, but Urban Meyer's situation isn't helping. And the last one I'll mention is the Raiders this past weekend. I think they're a lot better team than the Bears. Mm-hmm. But I forgot to factor in that John Gruden has it's a nice. lot of distractions, and now he's gone. And they didn't cover the spread in that game. They didn't win. So I think the distraction in this game is a lot bigger than people are going to think. Sure, it has really nothing to do with with much. But, I mean, let's set aside the whole binoculars thing with the, the student reporter. Look at Spencer Rattler and, the, and the, the, the predicament that they're in at quarterback. That's a distraction in its own. So I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go with TCU here. Do they win? Probably not. But look at K-State. I mean, they somehow, what was it, a six-point game here in Manhattan? Mm-hmm. K-State had no business really winning that game. They didn't play awful, but you knew Oklahoma was going to come out of there with a win. But K-State still found a way to cover. I think it might be the same situation. The back door might be open for the Horn Frogs. Do they win? Like I said, no. But I think there's too many distractions going on in Norman to comfortably bet them to win by two touchdowns. So let's touch on this. Lincoln Riley's really mad. The student newspaper had a reporter go to, I believe, a public parking garage or some kind of public a building dormer, yeah, and, and look into the practice onto the practice field with binoculars and notice that Spencer Rattler was not taking snaps with the number ones reported that um, you're a few months removed from being a student and a student journalist. Do you have a problem with it? Because I don't, I think it's a huge story that they did a good job of addressing. You know, I just can't imagine going and, I don't know where I would go here in Manhattan, but sitting on top of Bramwich or something, I don't know, getting on an airplane and, you know, looking down through a telescope. I just, I would never do that. And I know that we've talked about like, you know, the NFL and New England, how they had the spy gate and all this stuff. I would never do it. I wouldn't even think about doing that just because I think the athletic department wouldn't be too happy with me. But, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, we're on team OU student reporter. We're on, we're not against him or against Lincoln Riley. So I'm going to go against the public on this one. I know I've seen a lot of people that are defending him. I would never do it, but that's just me. For me, the the key ingredient here is he went to someplace where others could easily view, do exactly what he did. He didn't peek True. through the fence. He didn't put up a drone. He didn't do something uh, like super spy. He just went to a public place and brought binoculars, which I can imagine isn't the first person to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And it's a huge story. It's a huge story. Yeah. But you're right. It does cost you some some goodwill with the football program, and Lincoln Rally took it out on everyone and canceled all media <laughs> like an adult. <sighs> Weird. <laughs> Let's get to the big one for K-State fans. Iowa State comes into Manhattan. Huge game. It's Farmageddon. Iowa State, as we record this, sits as a six-point favorite in Manhattan. Your thoughts? This one's tough. I mean, do you want to flip a coin on this? You know, whoever wins, I think Mm -hmm. that right there is my answer that K-State covers. But this is a big game for K-State and also for Iowa State. We talked about on the Questions podcast, this game means a lot for both teams. Yep. I mean, if you look at Kansas State being 4-2 and with three respectable opponents out of the way, you're looking pretty good. You know, if you beat Iowa State, you're looking pretty good for the rest of the season. If you lose, you're 0 in the conference. I don't know how the team can really recover you know, just simply because of the fact that your Big 12 hopes are gone, right? I mean, right. they can still try. They can buy in and want to win. But I think this game means too much for Kansas State. Their preseason expectations versus where we are now, let's throw away Skylar Thompson's injury. They're pretty much where we thought they'd be. Yep. And they have a chance to go one and two after three tough games. Iowa State was a top 10 team. Right. And they are playing awful. So it's just – it's apples and oranges on that front. So I like K-State, though. I mean, K-State's rush defense – did you know this is the seventh-best rush defense in the nation Doesn't as far sense. as yards per game go? So Doesn't make sense from what I've them. seen the last two weeks. And and Brees Hall is the key to this game for me. Mm-hmm. If, if he gets out of the gate early, opens up the passing game for Brock Purdy, it's all over. I'll have my score prediction and my five keys to victory for K-State on Friday at Go Powercat. It's VIP content. And on Saturday morning, I will give my thoughts on all of these games – with my on the line with Fitz, it's it's a big new thing, Ron Gilbert. I mean, doing like, better than me. Yeah, That's for um, sure. Hollywood wants to make it into a movie. It's really, <laughs> I actually have done well with it. I don't know how this has happened. I've gotten a little luck, you know, Kennedy Brooks breaking a touchdown run mm-hmm. to get the cover, as opposed to kicking the field goal, which doesn't cover, mm-hmm. uh, was kind of big. But very interesting week in. The Big 12, very intriguing games at all levels. But I'll say this about K-State and Iowa State as we wrap this up. K-State, after Iowa State, 
because they've played these three really good teams and they don't play Texas until the last game, has this five-game stretch of winnable, manageable games, including going to Lawrence and Lubbock. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you, get, you have to go on the road to maybe the two worst teams. Iowa State, meanwhile, has a gauntlet ahead of it because it's already lost to Baylor. It's already played Kansas. And you still have those three teams that we think are the best in the conference, OU, OSU, Texas, coming up pretty quickly on the schedule. It's huge for the Cyclones. Yep. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Much appreciated. Your insights are always helpful as we prepare for the weekend's action around the Big 12 Conference. Of course, we have been previewing Kansas State and Iowa State, a 6.30 p.m. kickoff at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday right here in beautiful Manhattan, Kansas. It's supposed to be a lovely fall evening. Make sure you bring a coat. It could get a little chilly by game's end, and this game might get heated up during the course of the evening. This is indeed a growing rivalry between these two programs, two programs that almost mirror each other in how they are constructed, their fan bases, and their academic institutions. It is an awfully fun game, typically, although Iowa State Stole all the fun last year. We'll see if the Cats can respond with another win in the series known as Farmageddon. If you're interested to find out my score prediction for this game, well, you got to be a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. My five keys to victory appears every Friday before the Cats play on Saturday. And, of course, I will have my on-the-line segment, a video in which I make the predictions for all of the Big 12 games based on the spread for the upcoming weekend. That shows up. Up every Saturday at gopowercat.com. And I got to brag a little bit. I'm doing okay so far this season. It's the Cats and Clones, 6.30 p.m., Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I hope you can make it. And if you can't, check it out on ESPN2. The gopowercat.com staff will be on hand to give you complete coverage of the game, win or lose for the Cats. And, of course, Brian Hanley and I will reconvene over the weekend following the game for the Powercat Post Game Review podcast that appears Monday mornings at gopowercat.com. Have a great time at the game or watching the game. I am Fitz, and we will talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.